Everybody and welcome back to another great week of the Snap No Tap podcast. Uh, we got Joe Cardinal here. We haven't heard from Nico. He's busy working weekends, um, so it's very difficult until the weather really becomes mucky, bad weather, and then he, he won't be working, I, I guess, and he'll be back. But um, we have a very special guest today. Now, as many of you know, Week after week after week, we get inundated with all these beautiful female actresses and models that follow this podcast just to get a glimpse of Joe. Well, I've been getting hundreds of emails from male stars like Brad Pitt and Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. They want to see women. So today we have one of the nicest women I've ever met, beautiful lady inside and out, and she's our special guest. Her name is Melody Jeter, no relation to Derek, and I'm going to let Joe take it from here and introduce her formally. Uh, sure. Well, we're super excited to have Melody here. Um, for one thing, just to get kind of the female perspective on training, you know, and also just something that, you know, you've started training, I think, a lot later than a lot of people that we've had, um, you know, like the past couple guests, um, like Josh and uh, Jason, they grew up grappling. You know, so they, they grew up, they were, they were on the mats probably as far back as they can remember, especially Josh. He said basically growing up, he was always on the mats. And, um, but I know there's a big segment of population out there, like myself included, basically, who didn't do that. You know, and then we come at it uh, from a different perspective. And it is a different uh, path up the mountain. And it can be kind of intimidating when you come up, when you're training with those people who have started, you know, who, who've been training since they were, you know, growing up in school and stuff. And so it's, you know, it's their bread and butter, but uh, it's always exciting to talk to people who have, you know, decided, Hey, you know, uh, you know, they're already, uh, uh, you know, going through life and they're like, let me start it up now, you know? So I definitely want to hear how that happened. Um, You know, a lot, a lot of interesting perspectives from Melody. Uh, She is a purple belt in Carlson Gracie Jiu Jitsu, which is impressive. That, that takes some commitment, you know, Uh, that means you're, you're in it for, you know, several years and working hard. So that's no, no uh, fly by night. And I've been, I've been her student. I've been at Jason's gym when she's taught. And so, you know, she's, she's now giving back to the grappling community, which is awesome. Uh, So, but before we get into Melody's story, we've got to do our plugs, obviously, of course. Um, If you're looking for authentic catch wrestling training from the man, Tony Cicchini, um, the best way to do that right now, while it's available, is the, the Tri-C program uh, that gives you immediate access to all his videos. And uh, what you also get is the opportunity to come out and train at his home gym, which you're looking at now in the video. If you ha- you're watching this on YouTube, you can train there and stay. And then um, what's awesome about that is, you know, obviously you get the opportunity to hang out after training and get all the backstories of how all this stuff came about, um, which is just a treasure. 
Um, and then, of course, you have video learning options where Tony can customize videos and send them to you, which he's doing with his current Tri-C uh, students. So really, it's the best uh, bang for your buck as far as, you know, you can buy all these things individually. You can buy individual training opportunities. You can buy videos individually. Uh, but if you're going to do that, you know, why not just put it all together at that big discount? And then you're kind of locked in for life of having this, you know, opportunity where you don't have to pay again. You're just coming out when your schedule avails itself. You can come out and train. So that's awesome. Uh, like I said, all those things you can buy in individual pieces on Tony's website. But if you're obviously the holidays are coming up, if money's an itch situation, obviously we all went through COVID. Uh, the least we asked you to do is if you're enjoying these podcasts or Tony's uh, videos on YouTube and all the free content we provide, uh, it's free to you, but it costs us to produce. So please, please. Uh, consider joining our monthly membership program. It's, 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 it's a really just, you know, a drop in the bucket from anybody's budget, but it really is appreciated and helpful for us. There's two levels, $5, which is just kind of a thank you to us and kind of giving us a nod that you appreciate what we do. And then there's a $10 a month level where we actually do monthly produce uh, unique videos that we release to you. Uh, you know, they're not customized or to whoever has that membership. They're, you know, a monthly thing, but uh, that's just added bonus. So um, that's our stuff. Uh, then I guess uh, I'll drop it to you. Hey, Melody. Uh, so where do you train out of? Where is your gym? Why don't we plug that first? We'll start with uh, Bender Martial Arts and Fitness. It's in Ravenfoot. Um, and Jason Bender is a black belt owner instructor there and has been my instructor since the very beginning in my jiu-jitsu career. Um, and it's a fantastic place. It's nice. Uh, it's new. Um, so it doesn't have that funky gym smell just yet, uh, but <laughs> give it some time. Um, it's a great group of people, probably 70 or more so students who train Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and fitness. He also has just general fitness classes. And we have Judo. I keep forgetting about the Judo. Um, Sensei Stan teaches Judo there on uh, Tuesdays and Thursday nights. So it's a well-rounded program. You can get a lot in and uh, full of really fantastic students. And Jason himself is, if anyone knows him, knows that he's sort of the Pied Piper of teaching people who don't know or don't seem like the most obvious martial artists how to be martial artists. Um, so if you've ever considered doing it and thought, I'm too old, I'm too out of shape, I'm... Uh, I'm not the right person. Jason is literally somehow designed mentally to get you there. He can make it happen. So that's my pitch on Jason's gym. I think it's a fantastic place to train. We have, we have some elite athletes, honestly. We have some folks who are um, monsters on the mat, but sweethearts in, inside. We have a lot of folks who are just regular people who are fascinated by martial arts, interested in the community interested in training, interested in self-defense, interested in martial arts, and uh, everyone is welcome. So come down and join us. I and teach I'll, on Friday nights. <laughs> and, and I'll second that. I, I'd say, you know, a lot of people, you know, uh, coming in blind to a gym can be intimidating because obviously, you know, there's a range of schools out there and a range of attitudes. And obviously, uh, you know, full contact gyms can be very testosterone and scary for people, but uh, it's a very welcoming environment. You know, I can say firsthand, everybody's friendly. Um, and obviously, Jason, that comes from the top down, obviously, the way he starts it. So uh, definitely encouraging if you're, you're you're thinking about it, but are like hesitant for whatever reasons, 
this, this is, you couldn't start at a better place. Yeah, we've, I, had Jason, we, yeah. we've had Jason on before, you know, and um, he's just a great guy. You know, he's one of my students and uh, I haven't been to his new gym. Uh, I thought it was still in Andersonville, but you say it's Ravenswood. So um, I did not know it's that. It's Andersonville. It's on Ravenswood. Oh, oh, okay. I got you. So it is still Andersonville. It's got still you. in Andersonville. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's a nice area. You know, it was uh, actually before I ever, well, not met Jason, but before I ever went to his gym, which has now been three or four years, probably four years ago, maybe, maybe longer. Um, I'd only been to the Andersonville area, I think once or twice. Yeah. Uh, in all the years that I've been in Chicago, um, it's funny because big cities, people generally now, this is generalization, but they tend to stay in their own little neighborhoods. You know, it's, yeah. it's rare that they go out unless it's for business or medical or something. So, yeah, I was totally unfamiliar with, with Andersonville. Nice. It's a great little um, neighborhood. And uh, actually, very recently, I think, named by somebody, I don't know who. Um, some magazine, the the second most exciting or interesting neighborhood in the world. Um, really? Yes, I think the the one who won was uh, the neighborhood that won was somewhere in Europe. Somewhere. Um, it's a it's a fantastic, exciting little Chicago neighborhood. As you guys know, Chicago is full of those neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, and uh, but it's. Yeah, so the gym is right there in Andersonville. It's um, easy to get to. There's parking. You know, sometimes the things that prevent you from getting to the gym are are the simple things. Sometimes it's, can I find a parking space easily? Sometimes it's, is it close enough to my where I work or where I live? Um, so if you're in the area, you should definitely check it out. And I think also that the the intimidation factor, especially around martial arts, I remember when I was much younger, I was fascinated by martial arts, um, loved Bruce Lee, loved the movies, but it just, you know, the, the look of the martial artist, uh, this would be <clears throat> in the late seventies and early eighties, you know, that these are men and they are fit beyond belief. And within that image, there wasn't room for, women much less older women of course at the time I was a young person I was you know I guess I don't know I was cute is really what it was um but I wasn't an athlete I was I've never been an athlete I've never been I played a little tennis I swam I did a little of this a little of that but I've never been that athlete uh and a lot of people who come to martial arts I think later in life have been athletes of different sports in their lives and they're looking to try something new. Uh, we get a lot of folks like that, which is fun and kind of hilarious because they come in both with, usually with a great athletic open mindset. They're very coachable, which is great, but they also, I think, feel like their, their advantages because they've been a runner or they've been a tennis player or they've been whatever it is. And they come in they, and they discover that fighting is a completely different way of moving your body and a completely different way of expending energy. And um, I had a rugby player in class recently who was very gung-ho and very excited to get started and very quickly gassed. And we were just doing, you know, drills, but it's, Generally speaking, it's very unusual behavior. It's unusual movements. Fighting is, 
like where else in sport do you do many of the same movements that we do in grappling, especially, I think striking as well, but mostly grappling. There's just some weird stuff we do. So people come in and I don't know that they are um, as, as past athletes come in and I think are surprised. And then folks like me who've never been an athlete who somehow, I, I swear, Jason tricked me into doing jujitsu. That's what happened. He tricked me. Um, cause I never wanted to do it. I didn't know about it. Did, then when I found out about it, I'm like, that's a lot of touching. That's a lot of, <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot of work. It looks hard. Um, I don't want to do that. And then we got into a fight, uh, over silliness over the, the gym we had been at was shutting down and we had to move gyms and I was not happy about that. Had nothing to do with Jason. I was just cranky. And I was upset that the new gym didn't have any mats because I had been training Muay Thai with him and really enjoying that. Um, and I was upset about that. And he said, well, you don't need mats for, for Muay Thai. And I, and I had no response to that. I had no answer to that. So my stupid brain said, well, what if I wanted to do jujitsu? Ha <laughs> I thought I had him. I was wrong. He, he, he jumped on that. Like, uh, I don't know like a dog on a bone. He's like, you want to do jujitsu? I'm like, well, maybe, but now I can't. And six years later, you know, here I am. It's pretty much the only thing I do these days. So, so that's how it all started. It was me going, I don't really want to. Well, where did you meet Jason? And how did he get in your life to begin with? So back in 2014 or so, I was very much out of shape. And I'd been struggling with some hip issues and had through a combination of things, diet changes, as well as physical therapy, have finally got into a place where I was just simply able to walk around without being in a lot of pain. And I knew that the trick to staying healthy was going to be to start working out, really. So I checked in with my physical therapist at the time. Um, and just asked her, like, I, I need a personal trainer. Cause the, the one nice thing about being older, I think, is that you kind of know yourself at this point. And I know I'm lazy and I know I don't like to exercise and I know that I need somebody to be on my butt. So I asked her for a recommendation for a personal trainer and she recommended Jason. And so I very first, when I very first talked to him, I explained to him that I had one major overarching goal, and that was to, you know, if I was lucky enough to make it to 80 uh, and I fell down, which most people do when they're old, there's a lot of falls as an older person, that I would survive that fall. That was my goal. And it's interesting because the, one of the first things that he said to me was, oh, well, let me teach you how to fall. So this is before jujitsu, before any of that. Um, And it never occurred to me that there was a way to fall. And after having taught me how to do that, I, you know, that was such an eye opener for me. It's like, why are we not teaching this to everyone? This is like a day, like a, just an everyday skill that everyone should know. Um, But I started working with Jason only as a personal training you know, client. I was just trying to get strong and healthy. He came out of the 
back of the gym one day early on with a pair of gloves and said, here, put these on. I'm like, okay. So I put on gloves and he starts teaching me Muay Thai, which is hilarious. Okay. You have to understand. Look at me. This is funny. Um, One, two, let's see. He, I mean, we were starting with very basic combos and I kept falling down. I kept falling down because, and this is, this is quintessential Jason. I kept falling down and he kept saying, that's fantastic. It means you're pivoting. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, whatever, whatever guy. Anyway, I eventually learned not to fall down. Um, And I started, so we were lifting weights and we were doing Muay Thai. Really, it's just a fantastic cardio. And for someone like me who can't abide long distance work, the, the running, the swimming, the cycling, it's all good. If you do it, you should keep doing it. But I'm three minutes in and I'm ready to just kill myself like I just I can't get my brain to do so doing these kinds of sort of almost sprint type workouts when you're doing striking of any kind you're in there three minutes and you're resting a little bit you're in there again but you're working really hard when you're doing it um worked well for me because I never had the opportunity to get bored I guess um I always like to say exercise is hard it hurts and it's boring And what Jason taught me through martial arts is that, yeah, it's hard and it hurts or it can, but it's not boring. And that's, that's the thing that kept me focused and kept me going. So that's where we started. Um, And then I didn't start training jujitsu for another year, um, about a year, because like I said, I was very reluctant, but when I came to him, I'd I had been to Thailand before I met, Jason, because as you guys know, I grew up overseas. I grew up in Southeast Asia. So I'd been to Thailand, but I'd never heard of Muay Thai. I'm not a fighter, you know? Um, I've been around the world. I'd never heard of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. UFC one, I don't know. So I learned all of that about that uh, from Jason in those in that first year when we were just talking at the gym. He's trying to get me to lift more weights. Well, Jason is an easy, I mean, very easy going in a lot of ways. You don't know Bruce Lee, my Bruce Lee, um, but similarities, not in their knowledge base, because my Bruce was, you know, uh, just all in wrestler all the way, you know, um, college level and all of that. But their personalities and their, they're more, uh, they're more easy going low key. Whereas the guys like me, I'm high strung. Most of the guys that I know a couple other one guy that I want to have on the show, Terry Dow, he's uh, Bill Wallace's uh, number one. Uh, he's going to inherit the system. Terry is uh, also very low key. He's on my catch a kickboxing series. He's another guy that's a very great, great, great uh, striking instructor and everything. Low key. And that's kind of cool with Jason because you could be stressed and Jason will kind of, you know, bring you down, which is, I mean, in a good way, you know, he'll mellow you out, which is nice. Yeah. It's been interesting because I've been with him long enough that I've actually seen him change the way he instructs. Uh-huh. I've seen his jujitsu change. You know, when I met Jason, he was a purple belt. <laughs> okay. um, I didn't know that at the time because I didn't know what that meant, but that's, you know, that's when I knew him first and he's, and I've watched him grow his business and grow his gym and his, 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 um, you know, his student body and, and, 
And he's still on that journey trying to figure out the things that works best for him. He's very interesting because you're right. He, he's pretty good. He can, he can come in and push, 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 push and, and ratchet up the energy um, when you need it. And, uh, and then, yeah, he can back off and, and uh, listen and figure out what, what the next steps are. And that's so important, again, as an older athlete, <laughs> I use the term loosely, um, you have to have somebody you got to work with because since I started jujitsu, especially, um, you know, I feel like I'm injured every other week. And that, that is something that, that as a older athlete, you have to really consider, especially I think in grappling, you know, they just fold you up into little tight ball of a human being and you're going to get something tweaked. Um, and I think Jason's really good about, managing those kinds of energy levels across your entire jujitsu journey. The idea here is to be able to train as much as you can, but still be able to walk away with, with few injuries, but it's going to likely happen. And the older you are, the more likely it's going to happen because you come to the sport with a body that's sort of busted up over time and you just exacerbate things. So, um, but yeah, and the injury thing is something that every everyone has to consider. Um, because as a young person, if you get an injury, if if you like, you know, if you tweak something in your in your elbow, for instance, it, it, four to six weeks. If you're older, six to eight minimum for you to heal up from that. It's just the way it is. Um, and you you uh, you make sure you always make sure you have plenty of ibuprofen around. Um, (laughs) but it also then begins to you know you have to highlight things like mobility training and strength training and this is this is again this is everything that Jason has taught me it's like you can be a successful grappler at this stage of life if you maintain your strength and you maintain your fitness and you push yourself in those areas if you are consistent with your mobility and your prehab and you clean up your diet. You can absolutely do this. You don't have to be a super athlete. You just are seeking to be a healthy person. And it's absolutely something you can do. And then the payoff is you get to, you know, go hang out with crazy people who like to choke each other and, you know, try and break each other's arms. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) Now, how did you meet Tony? How did you meet Jason? Oh, I met Jason initially maybe 20 years ago or something like that. He was like a beginner. He was just a, may not have been that long, but it was, it was around that time through Javier. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Javier. The world champion. Yeah. So I met Jason and some other kid that none of us can remember who he was, <laughs> honestly. And then, yeah. So I, so that's initially how I met Jason. Yeah. And, you know, Jason did his thing with the jujitsu. I was teaching yeah. Ben, uh, probably a Triton college. And then I moved to Benz, my gym to Bensonville. You know, you just don't cross paths. Right. That's another thing about um, Chicago. Uh, it's very tribal. And I don't mean like jujitsu or karate schools, but it's so neighborhood based. Like if, if, if the school isn't in the neighborhood, nobody wants to you know go there. It's rare. So, um, so yeah, yeah, you just, but uh, so yeah, that's exactly how I met Jason. Long, 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 long. Okay. Yeah, and uh, well, he knows Costa, who's one of my yeah. best. Friends, and they're like really tight. Yeah, so, 
it, yeah, it's just all through the grapevine kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he's he's a good guy. But now you you hit on something with the well, everything you hit was a home run there, what you said. But diet, well, injuries. So many people try to want to sweep that under the the the, the rug, and it's bound to happen, um, especially if you're you know your intensity level is higher. But um, the diet really makes a big difference. Uh, you have to try to eat properly, and that doesn't mean become super strict, but, you know, just monitor, you know, you can have your really good, I'm the type of guy with my diet, I'll eat anything I want to eat. And then I'll go on more strict diets, like for five days or seven days or whatever, um, maybe three times a week, uh, three times a year. That's all. Just keep everything in, you know, in line. That's how I manage it. Other people want to be strict all the way through. I enjoy food too much, but (laughs) I just watch my weight pretty much, you know, um, and that's it. Yeah, I focus on trying to make sure whatever I'm eating is is nutritionally valuable, right? So it's fine to have ice cream or whatever, but if you're not eating your greens, you're you're cheating yourself, you know? It's, um, and that's, you know, I live alone, on the one hand, that means I don't have others. I have to negotiate, you know, around what their diet choices are. But on the other hand, it means I can absolutely end up with a kitchen of rice crackers and peanut butter for three weeks. And go, <laughs> oh, good Lord. Okay. And, and order out too much of stuff because I get lazy. Um, but that's, that's always my checklist is like, did I have, did I have enough protein? Did I have something green? <laughs> because I like, I love food. I love it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, um, I think it's incredibly important to give your body the best chance to do this stuff. And you do that by eating as much of the good stuff as you can, you know, that and sleep, especially again, as you get older, oh my God, I, like, and that's a, that can absolutely be a struggle. I know this isn't anything you guys will necessarily understand or, or, um, have experience with, but there's a point at which as a woman, you hit a particular age and your sleep is disrupted because you're having hot flashes all the time. And you're just constantly dealing with that while you're dealing with changing from your perimenopause stage into your menopause stage. And it's just like kind of a crapshoot. And you have to be careful because we talk about training tired when we're training fighting because the worst thing, of course, in a fight is to be tired. So one of the things that you can do to sort of prep yourself for that is to train tired. But there's also this thin line between training tired and being smart about it and being overtired and setting yourself up for injury and setting yourself up for, uh, for problems. And again, as you get older, those, those margins are just slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. So I think you just have to be smarter about when you're doing your training and, you know, I'll go. And that's the nice thing again. Like, so I train with Jason five days a week and uh, I train one-on-ones with him. And it's, it's, that's another thing that's valuable as a older student. I think is that I can go in and say to Jason, you know, 
I've been working like a crazy person. I haven't been getting great sleep. And he and I can still get in a good hour's worth of work. We can work on technique. We can do all kinds of things. I can go in as I have this injury. He's got an elbow injury right now. We can almost always work around it, especially with grappling. You can find something that you can work on that day to make you just a little bit better. Um, it's a little harder to do that when you're walking into a class uh, because the class is not going to be um you know tailored to just one person it has to be available to all of the people who show up but i still think grappling any of the grappling kinds of arts i think it's easier to continue to train through things whether that's you're tired whether that's you're injured um but there's still a point at which you need to step off the mats and rest and heal up um, there's, there's always, and figuring that out is a tricky thing because who, who amongst us doesn't want to train anyway. <laughs> That's how I get myself in trouble. Like I have injuries right now and they would have been healed up certainly weeks ago if I had just stopped training. That's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to, to, to do when you dive into this because it's so much fun, but I did think, yeah, those are all important. I can totally relate to the sleep because for years and years now I go about, I get four to five hours of sleep. That's it. And uh, if there's one thing that I wish I could do and it's out of my control, we've tried everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not going to happen for me. I wish I could get seven or eight hours of sleep. I don't. Um, so for me, it affects, you know, mentally more than anything. And of course, with all the stress I'm under, uh, like for example, yesterday, I just hit the wall. I was so tired. Yeah. In the afternoon, I just wanted to lay down. I, I, I can't. Every 10 minutes, you know, my mother doesn't yeah. know who I am anymore. So she keeps coming up to the, is, is anybody here? Who's here? I'm alone. So, you know, for me, my body is adapted. And that's not good. I don't care what anybody says. I don't want my body to adapt to this. Right. Um, I wish I could get more sleep. But I right. just, but you're, you know, the, the thing is, you have to be alert. Otherwise, you don't really pay attention. And Things go in one ear and out the other with the training. I've noticed this with people through the years when I coach that they might not be sleepy, but their mind is not on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like maybe they have a personal problem, you know, of some sort, romantically, financially, who knows. And I try to pull them off to the side. Hey, what's up? You know, uh, maybe you better sit out and just focus on listening to what I have to say as opposed to, you know, going through this half-assed or go home. You know, and I don't mean it in a ma- bad way, but it's just like, you know, you really got to absorb what's what's going on. And we've all been there. You have. Joe has. Everybody's been there where you're you're physically there, but mentally you're not. Um, so it's important to. But you hit on something earlier when you said you have fun. Uh, so you look forward to it, uh, which is good. A lot of people um, like when I first started training. Oh, I think in the beginning I looked forward to it. But after like the first week, I'm like, man, I don't want this shit. You know, this was too rough. You know, but I was forced, in essence, to go pretty much. And then later on, I started to begrudgingly accept it and like it, I guess. I mean, maybe it never was fun for me. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> you know, five years of, of, you know, like a boot camp every single day. But, um, but, you know, no, you get through it. Um, but then I had aspirations of staying alive or just becoming, you know, the toughest man in, in the world. So I had that goal. So I'm like, yeah, this is good. That brings me to a big thing that I want to discuss because talking about putting time in and becoming excellent at something, you're the first person. We have something in common here. 
And you're the first guest that we have, I have had on, that is a serious musician. Okay? <laughs> and music is, um, I always talk, I relate all of my fighting to my musical training. You know, my fighting pretty much predated my musical training. Um, let's talk about your uh, music background. And if there's any way, I know you're classical. I was more of a jazz guy. But if there's any way that you relate your, that you take what you learned in music to help make you a better athlete. So, yes, I started piano, gosh, when I was little, four, five, like little. Um, and then it, my parents were always of the opinion that you uh, needed a music education of some kind, that the way to begin was on the piano, because if you could learn the piano, you could learn anything. That was their thinking. I don't know why. Neither of my parents were musicians, so but that was their thinking. So uh, my brothers and I all started very young. I stuck with it for till till my early teens, um, and yeah, mostly um, uh, classical music. And then over the years, through various things, travel and being in locations where I didn't have access to a piano, so one one problem with piano is not very portable. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know you can't just pack it up and, and take it with you um I didn't play for many many years because like I said I was sort of all over the place and and it wasn't necessarily always around being uh, being around a piano later though uh, particularly when I finally moved and kind of settled here in Chicago I've been now almost 20 years here um I have my piano here so I have the opportunity to be near it, to be able to be consistent, because what's one of the first things we have to learn or that we have to like fold into the way we do things is if you are not consistent with something that is complex, you're not going to progress. So after all those years away from piano, then sitting back down to play, two things were immediately clear. One, I remembered much. My brain had absorbed and, um, you know, and held on to a lot of my music training. But number two, a long time away from that piano and my technique was garbage, you know, <laughs> it was just garbage. So whatever I knew, it was just like, it was like, I don't know, a, a room full of gibbons pounding on the piano. So slowly over time, I started doing just, again, you know, daily training, back to scales, back to arpeggios, back to the basics back to getting the fingers working the way they're supposed to work. Um, you know, back to reading music again consistently. So it, it came back over time and I love the practice of it because it's just a little thing I do for myself. Now, how do I relate it to jujitsu? Do I relate it to jujitsu? Absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, the things that have been very helpful for me, which I try to incorporate from time to time now that I'm actually teaching occasionally are things like metronome training because so much of fighting is timing. Yeah. Right. And what is really hard to understand when you're very first beginning is that timing. And I think I thought this as, as a beginner, that timing is something that you have to chase. It's something you have to find or something you have to catch. The truth is, or at least the truth that I have discovered doing this now for a while is that you create timing, you create it, you, you, you know, you make your opponent react to something which will make them step in a way, which will make them move in a way. 
And then you can take advantage of that, right? So, so the timing with inside of a fight is something that you are actually creating. Much like when you sit down to play any instrument, you know, if, if the, the music tells you to play it fast or slow, that is presumably the songwriter or, or the composer, you know, saying what they believe is the best way to play this piece of music. But it's up to you to do it. Like, it's up to you to do it. And if you can't play fast accurately, then it's going to, you know, it's then you need to play it slowly. And then it's going to have a different sound. I don't know if it's better or worse, but it's definitely different. And it's not necessarily what was intended. So within the context of music, timing and tempo and all of these things, like one beat off can completely change the tenor and tone of a piece of music. You know, you can miss a rest and it'll throw things off. And I find very much the same in fighting that once you, once you get into somebody else's, your opponent's rhythms and timing, then you can take advantage of that. So that's definitely one thing that I see for myself anyway, that aligns. And, and then the other piece is that much like music training, becoming proficient at something as complex as a musical instrument. The kind of approach, the approach that I take to training music is very similar to the approach I take to training jujitsu because it is such a big and vast sort of complex system. And that's about consistency. It's about practice. It's about recognizing that, you know, if you are going to go spar, if you are going to be sparring, if you're going to be fighting, that you need to be training the things that you're going to use in those fights, in those positions, in those places versus training maybe the latest, coolest, neatest thing. And this kind of brings us to the question of, are you a martial artist? Are you a competitor fighter? And I think that's also something that everyone needs to kind of decide, but I think as an older athlete, it becomes really important. And what I mean by that is I tend to think of myself as a martial artist. I do compete very occasionally. Uh, I do it mostly just to kind of test myself, pressure test what I've been learning. But I don't think of myself as a competitor. And I think being a competitor actually shrinks your game. Um, Much like choosing to only learn, say, classical music or only be a jazz musician. That's 100% the way you should go if that is what you want to spend your time in, right? If you want to be a musician at, or let's say a musicologist, now you need to widen your area of inquiry, right? And as a martial artist, I get to do that. I get to play and allow myself to focus on all different kinds of things, which is much more enjoyable to me. So as a 54-year-old, I learned how to barambolo, which is not a move that I ever needed to know how to do. It's not a move you would ever use in a self-defense situation. It's not a move that I'd probably be able to pull off in a competition. But it was fun, and it was great. And it does add to my understanding of the art across the board, right? So to my mind, there's, there's, that's part of it. It's like, How you train is very similar to how you get better at music. And then I think the timing piece is is hugely important.
Well, for years, I wanted to do a video on metronome. It's just music uh, as it relates to martial arts or fighting in general. I just never got around to it because for the most part, it would be a major project and yeah, it, it would go over everybody's head unless you're a musician. But everything, what I try to tell certain people, like I could talk to you about this because you know music a lot. Um, you have time, you have tempo, right. and then you have the timing, which is different. And people sometimes get the two mixed up. So for example, if I'm throwing like this quarter notes, what if I throw in a dotted eighth note? Okay, so I'll do this and then, and then you know, double up or something. All of that relates to music. Arpeggios can relate to different techniques, high, low, high, middle, low and shit. You know, uh, there's so much there that just correlates, but people don't know that. Nobody really trains like that. Um, it may be something that I'll pass along to certain students if I continue to teach in the future that have a musical background. I think it would make it much easier for them to you know, put their techniques together. But I was just interested in hearing your thoughts because for me, while I played the drums while I was learning how to fight, I never took any lessons until I didn't start studying seriously music uh, theory and lessons until I was done with my uh, catch wrestling. So I was about 18 or 19. I forgot how old I was. And I started studying class with a classical accordionist in Cleveland. And while he was phenomenal, I mean, absolutely an amazing guy. Uh, you know, I got technique ideas, but man, I'm a jazz guy. So it wasn't until I was 21 that I started studying jazz, Cleveland Institute, just Ronnie Moon, and just heavy, heavy jazz. I got really immersed in theory to the point where, um, you know, that's what I wanted to become. I wanted to become a, an arranger, mm -hmm. yeah. even, a, even a performer, because my drums, were, I was, you know, I was playing at a, you know, pretty high level on the drums at that time. My accordion, this is 1985. Uh it wouldn't have mattered if I was the greatest accordionist that ever lived. You're not getting to get a gig playing jazz accordion. You're lucky if you can get a job playing strolling in an Italian or French restaurant. So I did the accordion more for the love of it. Um, so my problem is my memory is poor. So I've forgotten a lot of theory. It would take a long time for me to brush up, probably. I'm just not interested in it uh, yeah. anymore. But back then, learning to improvise changed the way I fought because now it was no, no longer going down this road, you know, like A leads to B leads to C. It doesn't. It, the whole world is open. So I think that was the biggest thing that changed my way of fighting and, uh, and just life in general. You know, it, it made me able, maybe uh, I was able to think quick, come up with problem solving um, and even instances that aren't related to fighting, but um, no, it's just great. And well it's very funny you bring up improvisation because that was the, as someone who studied classical piano, there's not a lot of improv in classical. Um, there's a lot of rule following and a lot of, um, you know, interpretation for sure, but not improvisation. And when I very first started jujitsu, so Jason, uh, as we all know, is a huge lover of music, of all different kinds of music. And when Jason and I first started working together, before I started fighting he um and I would just we would just of course talk during our sessions and he talks a lot about music and his early days were all metal music and I did not know much about metal um not really my genre that's and a good thing. huh that's a good thing <laughs> so we 
So he, uh, he took it upon himself to train me in metal music. So he would send me like, here, listen to this, listen to this. And I told him, I said, absolutely. I will listen to everything you send me as long as you listen to everything I send you. And he's like, okay. So I was sending him jazz music. I'm like, here it is. And you know, some jazz, as you well know, can be six, eight, 10, 12 minutes long. But I'm like, these are key things in the world of jazz. Like this is music you should be uh, listening to. So we spent a couple of weeks trading back i'm listening to slayer and he's listening to thelonious monk and <laughs> we come back and um and it, that was that was a great education i have to say i walked away with a few uh songs and and certainly musicians inside of the metal genre that i definitely admire these are you know i might not love listening to their music but i can absolutely um admire their their craft and they're very good um there's a lot of it that I could do without. But what I found interesting was when I started jujitsu, it is ABC. It is one, two, three. It is do these things because you have to begin somewhere, right? And then Jason was trying to guide me into the world where I would be able to actually spar or roll or do some kind of sort of positional. And um, I wasn't his first jujitsu student, but I was one of his first. And I think it was a combination of he wasn't really sure how to get me there because his upbringing was the shark tank. Like you throw them in and you just, you know, the, <laughs> the craziest will survive. And you can't do that to me. I'm old. Um, <laughs> and at one point he was trying to get me to improvise. Um, and I had a little bit of a meltdown and he laughed and he's just like, I thought you liked jazz. I thought you couldn't, you know, but boy, you can't improvise. And he was absolutely 100% right. And I went back and sort of to the drawing board, if you will, on my side of things. And I listened to a lot of jazz in the beginning part of my jujitsu career, looking to find what it, because I'd always appreciated and marveled at those who could do that who could musically improvise and I still struggle with musically improvising I want to make sure I have my music and I know where I'm going and um but jazz really helped me listening to jazz and listening to it in in a way that was different from before not just for enjoyment but to truly listen to how musicians were playing with their music helped me get to a point where I could actually start sparring, where I could actually start improvising uh, with my fighting. And I could take A, B, C, D and turn it into D, A, C, A, A, you know? And I think you're right, Tony. I think if, if you have someone with even a bare minimum of like musical knowledge, it can be a very powerful um, framework around which you can teach this. Uh, teach fighting well let me throw this at you too or this is for everybody out there um so you know a lot of martial artists grapplers included tend to be really flashy some of them really like to show off and stuff musicians do that too all genres they'll play scales and you know just shit that sounds great but musically it's junk <laughs> so um right after i had my uh aneurysm i had my aneurysm in 93 that kind of, that ended really any 
chance of me being any virtuoso thing. My hands don't work right. So a guy came over to visit me at my apartment. Phenomenal, 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 phenomenal jazz musician. Last I heard, he moved to Vegas. Great piano player, great accordionist. His name is Don Elia. And Don is like, you know, instead of playing the whole keyboard, this is talking about improvising. He said, just go one octave. Take one octave only and improvise within that octave, okay? So uh, I had a, a, my accordion teacher, Jerry Sigler, gave me a keyboard because, um, you know, I was paralyzed my right side, so I couldn't play the accordion. But I could, you know, get my hand and try to move my fingers on the keyboard or use my left hand. So Don showed me on just the most beautiful improvisations to songs, jazz songs, in one octave. That relates to fighting. Because now I don't have to go up and down the keyboard. All these flourishes, like you're fighting like a madman with all this stuff. Simple, baby. Make it frigging simple. So for those of you who aren't musicians on uh, a standard accordion you're going to have 43 keys on a piano you're going to have 88 unless it's extended and just like an accordion can i have an accordion it has an extended keyboard 46 notes um a key uh, one octave is actually 12 notes with the chromatic scale so now you're you're taking a quarter in the accordion world or in the piano world if it's an extended keyboard which would be 92 or 96 keys you're taking one eighth of the keyboard that's it so you're, you're cutting that range down to this, and you can still produce phenomenal music. Um, and that's how you have to sometimes look at it when you're fighting. Forget all these million techniques, all this flash, fancy, flashy stuff. Take a small range and improvise within that range. And that's how I try to fight. You know, just it, it's, it's eye-opening, really. And, I, and that's like an, a reverse... Uh, thing. I fought like that before Donelia pointed it out. And so I'm like, oh my God, I fight like this, this one octave kind of thing many times. So my point is, in the beginning, I took jazz and related it to fighting. And then 20 years later, or whatever, 15 years later, it was, I took my fighting and I could relate it to, to jazz. So there, there's so much that you can grasp. And I'm sure um, I'm not an artist, like a painter or a drawer but I'm sure there would probably be parallels with that. But uh, the big thing for me um, was, you know, the practice. I mean, cause I trained so hard fighting, boxing and wrestling and everything. So when it came time to, to play music, it was so much easier. I mean, there was times when I was with Ronnie Moon, I practiced nine, 10, 11 hours a day. I had the time I could do it because it was non-taxing physically and it was enjoyable. I mean, it wasn't in the beginning, but you know, it was, soon as I started to get better, um, Ronnie's problem, or my problem was Ronnie didn't have a problem. I did. He th threw me in the deep end, man, you know, like heavy block chords and just, you know, very difficult stuff that, you know, most seasoned players of 15, 20 years don't do. Um, so I, I, I didn't have any, any breaks. <laughs> and the problem is uh, when I got away from the music for health reasons or whatever, Getting back to it for me was pretty much impossible. Whereas if I would have learned just to play simple notes, three note chords, maybe once in a while a four note chord, as opposed to blocks and big ass open harmony chords, tenths and shit, it would have been very much, it would have been a lot easier for me to just pick it up again. Um, so that's, so to, for people who don't know what I mean, the correlation would be, imagine, you know, you're a, 
500 pound bench presser and through years or accidents and everything, now you're only benching 150, 200 pounds. It's, you're never gonna get back to that 500 probably. And it's the same with me. I, I, was, I was up here, I'll never get there again um, with certain elements of my playing. Um, some elements I was never up there, but, but yeah, just, but the thing is for you, it's an inspiration because you don't quit. You, you're, you're still going, you're still trying. I remember I used to get there to the gym on weekends to train Jason. And I, sometimes you'd be there and I'd, I'd catch the end of your, the end of your lesson and so on. And you always gave it your all, you know, and you always had a smile on your face. You were never really uh, cranky or anything and um it was it's just nice you had the right attitude and i don't expect you to fail you won't you haven't you can't you've already succeeded no matter what happens you're there um the very, a great coach the very first time jason said to me and i was uh i no stripe no belt nobody and he said something about well you know when you're a black belt something or other and i laughed because i thought that's ridiculous and he looked at me dead serious. He's like, what are you laughing about? You know, like, there's no reason you can't. So he's great because he's always believed. So it's nice. I can lean on his belief when I'm struggling, right? Um, which sometimes you got to do. Sometimes you got to do. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been a hell of a journey. And I expect, my goal has always been to be on the mats when I'm 80. I don't know if that's going to happen. None of us do. Um, I, I tease Jason that he's going to have to be, you know, wheeling me up in a wheelchair and dumping me on there. Um, but it's, uh, it's just, it's hard. It's a difficult, complex thing, much like music. And it challenges me in a way that nothing ever has before. And it's filled with really cool people. That's the fun. That's really a large part of it, right? It's, the, the people I've been able to meet and get to know are people I would never have met in my life ever. And that's just such a fascinating and fantastic part of this fight community. Cause honestly, I haven't met that many jerks uh, to be honest. I haven't, you know, I've met plenty of dangerous people, plenty of dangerous people, but I haven't really met a lot of assholes, which is kind of nice. Um, because they're, they're out there There's i know they are i know they are <laughs> but i think <laughs> i think about jason and you and and the joes and and junior you know uh carlson gracie jr jr's fantastic and I, and all of the black belts i've had the chance to meet and very serious very dangerous people and they just got you know they're not all my buddies they're not all my best friends but they all come to the art i think with the same general idea that they want to get better but in so doing they're going to bring people along and that's that's what I'm now trying to do when I'm sort of here in the middle part at purple belt where Jason's sort of given me a class that's part of that martial art thinking uh which I miss actually from the music I've been my music is very personal and very internal and I've never had thought to sort of give back and that's one of the things I truly enjoy about this jujitsu journey is I'm finally at a point where like Joe, Joe's one of my students. It's kind of blows my mind. He can probably kill me. Uh, although he's really nice. Um, but I do think I have at least some value 
you know, that I have some jujitsu knowledge that, you know, at least for now can help Joe along uh, and, and everybody else. And that, that makes me feel great. That makes me feel like uh, valued within the community. And that's a huge, huge part of this, at least for me. Well, you're very valuable as a human being, regardless of your martial arts uh, skill. Um, and that to me is, see, in the music world, I've met some studs, musicians that were jerks, but the 90, 98% of them, maybe more, were wonderful. The biggest jagoffs were the guys that just really weren't that talented, okay? And they're cutthroat, and, you know, they want the side gigs, and they want this and that, you know. Um, but, you know, with music, it's like, you know, put up or shut up, you know, martial arts isn't that, isn't really that way, uh, unless you're competing all the time, but in the gym, you know, you're training, you're training, you're training, but on a job and you're a jobbing musician, man, you know, who's good and who's, who's not good. Um, and, uh, it's a whole different, how can I say it? It's a, when you're playing music, um, a lot of times I was the best musician in the group, right? So I had a whole back when I'm playing the drums. Um, you know, I can't like be doing Buddy Rich solos and shit. It's not what it calls for. So you, you, you're, you're just in it for the money many times. Okay. You're playing gigs at, you know, songs, music that you don't want to do. It's a job. Um, but with fighting with martial arts, I see that there's, uh, you know, I know that there's a lot of cutthroat. There's a lot of uh, tribalism, like rivalries and so on. And I don't really see that in music. I don't see that kind of rivalry. Um, you know, because musicians have some sort of uh, limits. Like, for example, let's just say you're a heavy, we're talking about heavy metal. Let's say you're a heavy metal guitarist and you get called to, to play a, uh, you know, jazz concert. Well, you're going to turn that down. I mean, you're, well, I'm not a jazz guy. Call Joe, you know, call Joe Cardinal. He's a jazz guitarist. You know, so you, you kind of got, you got that. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. Not always, but for the most part. Um, but I remember one time I had just moved to Chicago. This is, we're talking 1987. So this would have, and I moved to Chicago in either September or October. So this was either around that time or may have been the first of the year, 1988. And I'm sitting in on some South Side place. And there was this guy, I forgot his name. He's long gone. He was like almost 80 then. And he was bitching, you know, talking shit about me while I'm playing. He's like, that, that, that kid from Cleveland. He's strictly jazz, you see, strictly jazz. That's how he would talk, you know, like Edward G. Robinson or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I kind of laughed because um, I, I could play a good variety of music. I wasn't big on the Latin shit, but, you know, polkas, waltzes, country, rock. I played with members of the Cleveland Symphony Orchestra. I mean, I, I played quite a lot of variety, you know. Um, but here was a guy that I knew, okay. I, you know, I'm never going to play with this guy because, and then not that day, but like a week, two weeks, whatever it was later, I heard him play. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy was terrible, you know. Um, but, you you know, but I don't like that in the martial art world. I just don't like people who, you know, um, who kind of have that. And you see so much now, like on YouTube, guys who just really aren't qualified to teach the show and stuff. You know, and of course they'll get these oohs and ahs from people that don't know don't know any better. But you know, just stay in your lane. Right. So it's an interesting time that we are in. I, of course, don't have experience from other than watching Bruce Lee movies back in the day. But today, right now, 
with jujitsu for sure, it's, it's still new, frankly, um, and evolving and evolving quickly. And with YouTube, with this availability of so much free content, um, it's good and bad, you know, it's good in that you can really, truly find fantastic um, instructional type information on the internet to help you with your studies. The trick is, especially when you're in the beginning phase, is to separate that from all the crap that's out there, because there's an incredible amount of jujitsu crap, martial arts crap, self-defense some of the self-defense videos out there are laughable but then i think you know there are people out there who are watching this and thinking this is okay and that actually scares me some of the stuff is like going to put you actually in a bad position well let me let me interject quickly because to to go on that especially this is out there for the self-taught people you might have a legitimate instructor out there okay he may be he or she may be the best but the material that they're showing is not suitable for you at this point in your journey. Okay. So you're learning shot math or that's the level you're at. And all of a sudden you're doing advanced calculus or some differential equations that are way over your head. So that you can't do either. So it's a combination of shitty, no good instructors and quality instructors, but they're, you know, you're not ready for them yet. Right. Um, I had a student come in and ask about a particular move, uh, a beginning student. And I said, well, you know, that, that, that's a thing. Sure. And it can work. Um, we train that. Uh, and, but we hadn't been training it at the time. And I asked them, you know, why do you ask? And they had said, oh, I found this on YouTube. You know, I had done a search for how do I, you know, and then they picked the one that they thought looked the best. And then, and like, Yeah. So the trick here is that as a beginner, you see this and you're seeing it used successfully because people don't post their failures on YouTube. So you're seeing this and you think this is going to always work. And I can tell you right now, here's the counter to this move. If you do this to me, this is what I'm going to do to you. And in a fight, there's always a counter to every counter. There's always something that can be done. This is why we train and this is you know, why it gets harder the longer you do it. And I'm like, this isn't bad. This just isn't the answer. There isn't an answer, right? And I think especially beginning students want an answer. They want the solution for the problem. So they go to the internet and they're like, you know, how to defend cross-collar choke. And then they pick one of whatever comes up. And it may be right. It may not, it may absolutely be good technique and good details, but without understanding the cross collar itself, where it can come from, what else can come off of it, whether or not, you know, the person throwing that cross collar choke on you might very well be baiting you into that move, right? Like, so I, I always try to, I always try and express to beginning students that they just need to slow down and not worry about that stuff. Well, here's what happened to me. Um, after my aneurysm, I, you know, and I started to get, you know, coming out of it and everything. It took almost two years, but all right, I want to try to play again. I want to start studying again. I don't recall what year this was now, 96, maybe, who knows, 95. 
So I go back to Jerry Sigler, I go to his house, and he gives me a lesson for that week. The lesson was, bye-bye, Blackbird, Kia F. Um, come back next week. Let me hear you play some some really good jazz. Somewhere, I, I, I most of my stuff got stolen when my car got stolen, but this cassette tape exists somewhere in this house. I don't know where. <laughs> but anyhow, so I show up next week. Now, he's backing me up. You know, he's, he's playing the chords, and I'm da-da-da-da. So anyway, what I had done that week was what you're just talking about with these YouTube kids they just want to go see something fancy. I picked out, this is long before YouTube, but I had a cassette tape of Bobby Enriquez. Phenomenal. He passed away. Mind-blowing. They called him Bruce Lee of the piano. He was a Filipino guy. Well, he did Bye Bye Blackbird, so I copped some of his solo, okay? I still remember it to this day. So we start, you know, I'm playing the intro, and you're playing it, and then when it comes time to take the chorus, you know, the solo, I do the Bobby Enriquez thing. Jerry's sitting at his cousin like, yeah! really good you know and, and you know i'm having a great time and then jerry keeps going on and i'm like shit i'm running out of ideas i got nothing else <laughs> I, mean, I copied Bobby enriquez now i'm fucked excuse my language but now i'm screwed here you know i don't have anything else to play right so jerry jerry kind of ratted me out there you know he, he knew that what i did was not improvisation it was memorization right i memorized a small little lick so that ties into the moral of your story and this is what i try to tell people don't have, don't do everything by rote because if if the opponent goes slightly askew throws something at you you're going to be lost now what do you do you have nothing you have no foundation to um, to grow from so i'm probably the world's most i'll it's all with me it's all foundation fundamentals 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 you know, more than a lot of instructors will just start showing you move after move after move just to keep you happy. That's, to me, not the way to do it. You got to get your, like you should know from music, you've got to play your scales, all 12 keys, arpeggios, all 12 keys, inversions, so on. You got to do everything uh, and no shortcuts. Unless unless all you want to do is just be a uh, soloist where you're just playing your song and, and not jiving with everybody else. So, yeah, I'll never forget that. Jerry, inadvertently, I don't think he did it on purpose. He just inadvertently ratted me out by, you know, let's keep, you know, let's keep going, Tony. Let's play some more. No, I'm, I ran out of gas. I don't have any more musical ideas. And it was weird because, like I said, I had that tape and you can hear it. You can hear how I sounded like a serious jazzer. And then I sounded like a schlockmeister. Right. I mean, it just it was like this. So you can't do that in your fighting because, as you mentioned, if you try to do this in a competition, you lose. If you try to do this in a street fight, you die. So you 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 know don't don't put the cart before the horse. And I tell everybody, get the finest instructor or coach, whatever you want to call it, you know, that you can. Stop the self-taught shit because it's in the end, you know, it's it's not the way to do it. Uh, I think that's fair. When you're, when you have chosen to learn to fight, whatever that is, whether that's striking, grappling, both, whether it's for self-defense or whether it's for fun, whether it's for a martial arts purpose or competition, you can learn a lot from the internet. Yes. But you are out of your mind if you don't find a coach that you can trust and, and, and give your trust to them. If they're good, they will get anyone 
where they need to go, including an old, you know, pain in the ass like myself. Um, you know, a, a good coach is absolutely invaluable. Like you, you just cannot, I, I agree hundred percent. You can't truly do this without one. And um, they're, they're worth every penny. So, you know, you find a way to put it in your life and you invest in yourself and you do that by finding the right coach for you and for what you're doing. It's so important. Um, yeah. I've been lucky with that. Even in music, I've, I've had, it's weird fighting in music. I just had people placed in my life. Yeah. Um, Ronnie Moon. Well, okay. So my first accordion teacher was a guy named Ed Safani, who was well-known in Chicago, in Cleveland, classical player. So I actually searched him out, but Ronnie Moon, I met pure luck. Uh, Jerry, I met through Ronnie again, this kind of luck. And then from there, it just, you know, luck, luck, luck. Um, but yeah, I mean, Rod Von was at my church. It was luck. You know, I, I, who, who, there was no catch wrestlers in the world back then that really were legitimate catch wrestlers. They were all phonies. So he happened to be in my church. How, 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 how luckier, how much luckier can you get? Right. Um, you know, so it was just pure luck for me, but, um, you know, yeah, you there in whatever style it is, boxing don't matter. Got to get quality instructors because um, too many people want to reinvent the wheel and they're going to waste their time trying yeah. to do things that it, it's already been established. This is how it's done. It's it'll save you a lot of time. It'll perhaps prevent injury, uh, stagnation, and the worst thing that you can do is develop all these bad habits. So when you finally decide to get a world-class instructor, he or she has now got to spend a lot of time undoing your muscle memory because what you have learned is, is, is not going to fly under fire. So that alone is, and the money is nothing because you can always get money, but you can't get your time back. That's the thing. You spend 10 years on your own or 10 years with a shitty instructor, that's it. It's gone. You can't get those 10 years back. So, um, that's always been my thing, <clears throat> you know, find the best. And in, in, you know, in fighting and in music, I've been lucky. I've trained with uh, the best I, I, and fighting. Okay. I think I did well music. I let my coaches down. I've said this many times. I, I let all my music instructors, I never reached my, um, you know, my ability uh, that I, that I think I probably could have. That's, that's on me. It's no reflection on them. Um, and that's another thing as a coach, uh, you know, the, the internet is, well, the world in general, but they're full of haters. And, oh, you know, if you have a bad student, oh, the coach sucks. It's just like grade school. You know, not everybody can get straight A's, right? You're going to have kids that fail. You're going to have kids that get A's. Why focus on the kids that fail as a reflection of the teacher? Look at the kids that got A's and B's. Sometimes it just boils down to the child doesn't or the, the athlete doesn't have the aptitude for this or you know, doesn't want to put in the right effort. Uh, I get that a lot. You know, people just, oh, it's too hard. It's too hard. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is hard. But if things weren't hard, we wouldn't have had penicillin. We wouldn't have put a man on the moon. You know, we wouldn't have done all these things that are incredibly difficult in this world. Um, building a skyscraper, you know, that's not easy. That's hard. So, you know, it, 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 takes, it, it takes hard work. And it'll pay dividends in the end, as long as you're, you know, you have, again, that foundation, keep going over your fundamentals over and over. And even if you can't do it physically, do it mentally, 
review, review, review. Uh, it'll keep you fresh. It just, it just will. It, bottom line, boom. It'll keep you fresh. It'll keep you safe. Um, yeah, you, you have to, you have to train your fundamentals every day, honestly, whether it be music or fighting. Um, and I think also, again, as someone who's not out there to be the best, who's, who's walking down this path for very different reasons, um, than a lot of fighters just again, partly due to age. Um, I think, I think you need to be very certain of your why. Why are you doing it? You don't have to share that with anyone. It can be yours. Like it doesn't matter, but you need to be very certain of your why because life will get in the way. Your family, your kids, your job, your, your finances, whatever it is, life will get in the way of you trying to accomplish these things. The likelihood that someone at my stage of life is going to very quickly, you know, uh, reach a certain level of mastery is just incredibly low. I can't train five hours a day. I can't do these things. Even if I had the time and didn't have a full-time job, my body's not going to take that. I'm not 20, right? So I think you have to be very clear on the why, because when life throws something in front of you, you have, it's up to you to make that next choice. I'm still going to do this. I'm going to find another way to do it. Like, like your, your story, Tony, about your aneurysm, like you didn't give up. You had to fight back from that. You could have said, oh, well, now I can't do that. And nobody around you in the world would have probably said anything like, yeah, you know, you had this big health event. You're right. You can't do these things anymore. But you decided. And that's the thing. That's such an important part of life, I think. But certainly an important part of tackling a complex and difficult thing. You have to know the why so that when it seems impossible, you can still find your way back to doing what you love. Very well put. Yeah, that's, yeah, I had my, I don't want to get into my story about the aneurysm thing. Maybe one day we will down here, but yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was the uh, proverbial fork in the road. And, you know, what do you do? Um, Kevin saved my life. It's unfortunate that he got killed in the plane crash, but he really was the, I found I saw the ugliness of, of humanity back then, how like pretty much most of my friends with not Jerry Sigler, of course, but everybody else except for one kind of abandoned me because they didn't want to see me like that. It was too hard for them to see me all all messed up like that. And in um, people at the health club, when I try to I needed help, I needed assistance. Some health clubs refused to allow me in. And the one that did, nobody would help me. I mean, I needed help like, you know. I can't get the weights off the rack. I can't bench. I can't do any of this. I got one arm working here. Um, and it wasn't until March of uh, 1994, March 13th, I'll never forget it, when I met Kevin and he says, come down the next day, which was a Monday, and I did. And, uh, you know, he helped me every step of the way. But I would have probably, I can't say it, but I, I would assume I would have given up if it wasn't for him because I had, I had exhausted my you know, for months, eight months or whatever, because I had the aneurysm in June of 93. So this is now, and I was in a hospital for three months. So I got out in August. 
So from August to March, failure, 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 failure. Nobody's helping me and shit. Um, so yeah, uh, don't give up people. Even if you're running up against a brick wall and you feel that there's no help, you know, you got to keep reaching out. You know, that's that, I'm doing that now. You know, I'm going through the worst period of my life. I just reached out to Nico and Joe yesterday with an email. I reached out to the guys a month and a half ago with an email. Don't be afraid to ask for help. I need help. I'm in a position where I need people that are going to help. So far, nobody's stepped up. Joe's done his thing. You know, he's doing the best he can. But, you know, maybe I, I just need to reach out to different people. I don't know yet. I don't know who to reach out to. You know, uh, we're going to have the agency here on, on Thursday. They were supposed to be the, the last Thursday regarding my mom. And yeah. Believe it or not, the girl's car broke down at the drive-thru on her lunch break, so they couldn't make it. So now it's this Thursday, 9 o'clock in the morning, hopefully. Yeah. We'll see where where that goes. But, you know, it's it's going to get even – now we're in the home stretch for me. It's going to get so much more difficult. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be unfathomable. I don't even want to think about what I'm going through, going to go through. So I'm trying to prepare now. Um you know, as much as, as I can. So for anybody out there that is going through whatever your, your grievance is, whatever, whatever it is, you know, you, you've got to stay strong uh, and please reach out for help, um, be it friends, family, acquaintances, professional, whatever, uh, but try not to give up. You know, I've said through the years, I think I talked about this here too. Um, I've had people who I have no idea who they are. They've, they've reached out to me via email. These were suicidal people, right? Or they seemed it really down. And I can't turn my back on these people, right? Um, I'll email them back or call them or whatever it is. Uh, and I don't know these guys, you know, so um, because there's always, a, there's always seemed to be people that have been there for me through my childhood and, and early years, adolescent and, you know, young adults up 30. 30 years and stuff, 30 years old. Um, so I'll be there for anybody that I can help. And, you know, hopefully somebody will be there, um, you know, for me uh, coming up, you know, like, you know, at this stage of my life. But um, Joe, what are your thoughts here? What questions do you have for uh, Melody? Well, gosh, there's been a lot of like really deep observations and I think really, uh, fundamental thing so i was kind of like uh oh gosh how do i follow that you know i i 100 percent agree with uh yeah that's true well you're welcome that's all i can say about that but um but yeah i, I think very much your point about the why is very important especially because uh similar to, to like tony's observation that you know um a lot of times this training is hard you know i mean it can be fun for some people but for a lot of us it's it's going there to get uh kind of beat on a little bit and so always having that mantra in your head of I'm doing this for such and such a reason. These are my reasons why uh, I think keeping that some people don't need that. Like I said, some people just eat it up. They, they go there and they're like, yeah, someone's choking me out. I love this. Or I'm being punched in the face. This is awesome. Uh, but the rest of us, it's like you have to remind yourself. I mean, we're, I should say we're fortunate enough. Like I think, Tony, your situation it was in your face every day while you were doing it. You know, if yeah, you weren't if, if you were if you weren't training, you were risking your life. Uh, right. But uh, for the rest of us, you know, some of us, it's you know that's well. 
And sometimes we get lulled into a sense of uh, false security with that. And in some ways that's dangerous because occasionally there'll be a rude reminder. Like I said, I, I live the suburban life now, uh, but I have run into situations just out of the blue, you know, whether it's on the metro when I'm commuting or just on a random street corner. I mean, uh, I think I'm going to paraphrase you earlier, but the assholes are out there, you know, and they just randomly show up and, to me, that's the very fundamental reason why we do this. I mean, I think it's great that you do it for your health. Uh, I, you can make a great community of people. I mean, there's a lot of uh, ancillary benefits to it, but ultimately it's a human need. It's an, uh, a, 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 not even just a human need, but a life form need to be able to protect yourself. Life is dangerous. Um, and uh, we're fortunate enough that we live in a country, a lot of us live in neighborhoods where it's not in our face all the time. Not everybody. There's people, like I said, there's a lot of areas, even in this fair city of ours, where it is in their face every day. Uh, but yeah, keep that in mind that, you know, um, to me, it's just like, you know, I talked earlier in some of the other podcasts about like uh, knowing CPR, knowing some basic safety things, you know, hopefully you'll never have to need that, but boom, sometimes it just, you know, life puts it in your way. And so uh, I think keeping that, uh, when things are going tough, when training's tough, um, to remember why you're doing this, you know, that, that, that situation could be out there for you. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of just kind of riffing on what you guys were talking about and some of the reasoning there. Uh, but definitely and remember that can be a thing. To jump on her thing, you know, she was a classical penis. Well, generally regarded Vladimir Horowitz was considered probably the greatest, right? Well, you, you don't, you're not going to probably be as good as Vladimir Horowitz but nobody else is either, right? Same with the jazz world. Art Tatum, Oscar Peterson, you know, uh, Bill Evans. You know, you don't, you're, you're not going to, you know, you're, you're not going to be as good as them more than likely, but it doesn't matter. Just like fighting. I see guys fighting professional fighters. There's guys out there better than that. And it doesn't matter. There's better, there's worse. What do you care? You know, just get better. You can always bring something to the table. Um Hell, I've listened to guys play music that by no means did they have the technique technique of Oscar Peterson, but shit, they played good ideas. They had, you know, great stuff. Just like there's fighters that just aren't going to be the strongest man or the fastest man in the world, but they got they got great skills, you know. Uh, so there's nothing stopping you except you, you know. Um, that's just all there is to it. it. It all boils down to us. The only thing that we have complete 100% control over is our mind. If we're healthy, we have our mind and, and everything stems from there. So if you can control this thing, you know, the sky's the limit. So just, but don't expect too much out of yourself, out of your uh, instructor, take everything, you know, in your stride and uh, you'll make gains, but you'll be great. I totally agree. You have to, um, this stuff is really, really difficult. But if we focus on that aspect, we'll immediately trip ourselves up. Whether you're going through a difficult time in your life, whether you're trying to tackle something difficult like fighting or music, it's one thing to set aside some time to sort of philosophically consider those things. I think that's something I do because that's the way I think. But on the day-to-day, -day, when you're in there and you're doing it, we call it the grind. I don't love that word because it feels too, oh, I don't know. It feels too um, monotonous to me. 
I think you should be able to find joy in the things that you are doing, which includes your fundamentals, which includes your life lessons. Uh, Joe's right. Everyone should know CPR. I think I'm right. Everyone should know how to fall. I think you're right. Everybody should know how to live in the world as the best that they possibly can being the best that they can be. And finding is one of those things that will get you there. It will protect you. Um, It will give you confidence you never thought you could have, no matter how much confidence you have in other things. Being physically able to fight is, is a kind of confidence builder that I've never come across before in my life. And I've got plenty of confidence and ego in other areas of my life. Uh, but, you know, being able to stand up for someone else on the, on the red line, this happened to me all the time. You know, before fighting, there's like, I'm calling 911. Now, I might still do that. But I feel confident in the situation. I don't feel like I have to jam out right away. I feel better about being able to assess the situation. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot that comes from all of this. Um, And I'm grateful that I can still do it uh, because I'm finally getting to that point where I get to play. Like I get to play. Now the songs are mine. Like my jujitsu, slowly but surely, is becoming mine because in the beginning is Jason's Jason gave me his game. He's like, here. <laughs> and I did with it what I could, but you know, shockingly, I'm not Jason. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but I did what I could with it. And I've now been able to study long enough that I'm starting to play my own music, if you will. And that's joyful. That's a joyful thing. At the same time, there's all this other stuff that comes, these benefits that come, you know, confidence, um, physical confidence, knowing I can push myself harder, knowing I can go harder, um, knowing that I, you know, can make a difference is important. And knowing that I can, that I am resilient. That's the other thing fighting will absolutely teach you because there's nothing quite as horrible as being on the bottom side of it. 240 pound wrestler even down there even knowing i'm getting my ass kicked i know i'm not dying and i know what i need to do to to get through and that's a lesson that we could all use because sometimes you just have to get through it you do and and you well you're a rare exception really you are and i don't mean this to blow smoke up, up you know up your butt but you are you have your you know, your head is on right. You're, you're with the right people. You got a good core uh, there. Um, in essence, I don't want, well, I'll call it a support group, even though I'm not saying you, you need support, but you know what I mean? You got that circle there. Um, many people don't have that. Uh, and that, that can be hard. Like I'm in that position right now because of being isolated here where I'm at. Um, so for other people that are out there, if you feel like you're getting burned out or, you know, just you're, you're going it alone, just reach out. Even if you don't know me, send me an email. You know, if you just want to chat, you don't have to buy anything from me. Just send me an email. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll chat with you, you know, no big deal. Um, if, you know, so yeah, you got to keep that, you got to keep recharging your batteries, you know, um, right now for me, I'm, I'm in a holding pattern. We'll see what happens this coming week. 
But yeah. 2022, and we'll probably dis- discuss this on next week's podcast, there's going to be great changes. Um, and some people may not like that, but, you know, regarding the Tri-C, just training in general and just me, um, there's going to be some big changes in 2022, and they're going to be permanent changes. Um, sometimes you just, you know, you just have, you have to do that. Uh, so, yeah, um, but you have the right mindset. You're, and, and I'm sure if you hit the wall, really, you'll figure a way to get around that. I know you enough. You know, you're not going to quit. you come too far. <laughs> you're right. Oh, God, I can't imagine at this point. I've definitely had those thoughts. I've had those thoughts. I've asked myself, is it worth it? But um, then, you know, then, then, then I talk to Jason, you know, then I talk to my family. Then I reach out. Like you say, if you need to reach out, you reach out. Um, if you need help, if you need just to bounce your frustrations and doubts off of somebody, there are people out there who will listen to you. Um, so don't ever give up, um, for sure. And, and that's, yeah, and that's because I, I promise you in six plus years I've been doing this, I have definitely considered walking away. But I always come back to the path. It's always far more interesting on the path. It's always far more interesting. Well, there's been musicians who have walked away, you know, from, from their musical careers for whatever personal reason, right? Um, not even health related. Some of them, that's it. They never come back. Others do come back, right? Many times with a, with a vengeance. Mm-hmm. Um, Pat Martino, one of the greatest guitarists that ever lived, he had a, like an aneurysm or a stroke. He lost the ability to play completely. He had to start from square one, okay, and learn how to play again. And he reached his previous level, if not surpassed it. On the other hand, the great Hank Garland, he was a country, uh, well-known in the country music world, played with Patty, uh, Patty Page, Elvis Presley, and so on. But he loved jazz, and he was a world-class jazz guitarist. They made a movie about him, as a matter of fact. He was involved in an auto accident, and that ended his career. Okay, He tried to make a comeback. He physically couldn't. Physically, he could not. But um, as long as that doesn't happen, you could still immerse yourself in that world. I mean, Garland was 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 a legend. He was, you know, uh, put on pedestals and, you know, so stay in it. You know, God forbid something would happen. Um, your instructor would probably still let you or anybody else out there show up at the gym, even if you can't do anything, just to watch, sure. just, to be, just to be there, right? Yeah. And at least absorb it up here mentally. Uh, but yeah, and, you know, and, and to the others out there who have gone through just exasperating circumstances, I do want to say this. There is no shame in quitting either, okay? We all have to know when it's time to hang it up. But just make sure that the tank was completely empty, that there was nothing hidden in the reserve, you know? Um, but please don't ever think, well, I got to do it because I'm a loser if I quit. No, you're not a loser, okay? There are times when it's the right time to give up. Um, you just have to know when. And that can be a, a struggle for some people. And that may take either counseling or really getting with people that know you, know you like a book, and if they can discuss it without their ego being in, involved, if they could really discuss it for your benefit, they may say, you know what? You're right. All that time. Now it's time to, to give up, but take all that energy that you had, all that enthusiasm and channel it into something else. Now, you know, um, that's how, that's how, uh, 
I have to look at things, you know, and I'm not saying that I'm right, but that's the way it worked for me. And sometimes this will really throw you out, but sometimes you got to channel it into stepping away from everything. And if you have the financial wherewithal, blowing off a year and just having a good time, you know, just go out and eat, drink, whatever it is that you like to do, travel, whatever, just learn to enjoy yourself so you can, you know, get reinvigorated, invigorated again. Um, so I'm sure that once the dust settles with me, I'm going to take a good chunk of time uh, just to, to enjoy my life. It's been put on hold for years and I need that to, you know, I, I can't have that anymore. So, and I know that I'm not alone. There's other people that are out there um, that have gone through maybe a death, a wife, a child, a spouse, a husband, you know, grieve, get it out of your system, reflect and, you know, reconstruct your life, figure out something else, you know, but do whatever you have to do without guilt. Yes, a hundred percent. Truth is I started jujitsu almost exactly around the same time my mother was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. So the very foundational, that year, that beginning year was also the same year that my mother started dying. And they are forever entwined. You know, I can't pull them apart. So jujitsu ended up being the thing for me that helped me carve out sanity in that home life that was so crazy. Um, so you never really know what it might be. But whatever it is, like you said, Tony, like if you are uncertain of what you need for your next step, then reach out, talk to professionals, talk to friends, talk to family. Just keep doing things till you find the thing. Maybe it is time away completely. Maybe it is travel and joy. And, and that's fantastic. Absolutely, you do that. Maybe it's maybe you've been so in, consumed with something that you need. Something else that's, for me, I needed something that was difficult that while doing it, I literally couldn't think of the other things, right? So everybody needs to find their own so life is trite, but life is short and, and it's hard. Life is hard. Um, so where and when you can have fun and where and when you can have joy, you should absolutely do that. Um, because life expects a lot of us. Um, and I think those of us with personal integrity just try our best to provide and to do the things we should do that we feel we ought to do but we can't lose sight of ourselves this goes back to the why whatever it is whatever your why is why are you studying music why are you you know helping your friends why are you doing whatever it is why are you pursuing your year off just keeping that intention clear in your mind i think will help because the journey that i keep talking about like my jujitsu journey is just a part of my life's journey i'm well, grateful Joe was going through some hard times for a while. He had a little bit of money saved up. He reached out to me. I said, Joe, I, you need to do what makes you happy. And I told him, go out, spend some money on different kind of mirrors, okay? And put these mirrors up and just, just look at yourself all day long because that gives Joe the best joy to Joe is to look at his reflection in the mirror. 
And he, he bought, I don't know what, 10, 12 different mirrors of all different kinds. And, you know, he would pose and do his thing. And I think that picked him out of his doldrums. Don't you think, Joe? Well, see, I think you're mistaken there a little bit because it's kind of like when you're on any kind of a journey, there's a level where you kind of transcend and you don't need the reminders. You don't need the mirrors to know that how you look, you know, like when Fonzie checked himself in the mirror, he was, it was redundant. He knew his hair was good. For those of you who are old enough to know who the Fonz is. You remember the Fonz? Yeah. Um, You've you've transcended ordinary physical pulchritude. You're basically what you're saying is you're a living Greek guy. Basically. I mean, you know, I don't want to overstate it, but. um, Well, you're not Greek. But I mean, I think that's something about, you know, at a certain point, you know, um, in the journey. And we have many journeys, I think, to to Melody's point. So, you know, and, and, and. that's something for everybody else to shoot for it at some point where they know before they know that they're going to be good at that, whether it's playing music, whether before they pick up that instrument or whether they get on the mat, they've got that confidence where now they know no matter what's coming their way, they don't need to check the mirror. They don't need to ask those internal questions. Am I ready for this? You know, much like I am, you know, before I see the mirror. So, um, but well, yeah. You know, Kevin, all kidding aside, Kevin used to say, I don't want to, he used to say, I don't want to be the best. I just want to hang around the best. And, and that can be another avenue, like for, for Melody, who, who, who may say, well, I'll never be as good as Jason or this guy or that guy. You don't have to be. You're around that world. You're around world-class people. I was never going to be the world's greatest musician. But for a time in my life, I hung around the, the guys who, who were, you know, so kind of made me feel good. And it mm-hmm. um, took me away, you know, it, and I never felt, you know, let's be honest here. I never felt like intimidated, like, oh, you know, I'll never be as good as him. I, well, I knew that, but I said it with pride. You know, it's like, wow, I'll never be as good as, you know, like Don Stilly, yet I'm here listening to Don. How good is it? How, do, how good does it get? You know, um, yeah, it, it's, it's just a way of looking at things. And it's not a, it's not a game. It's, it's not like playing this bullshit, positive thinking, fake shit. This is real. This is how I felt. I know I'll never be as good as Jerry Sigler. I don't have the, the ability and I don't have, I'm not going to put in the effort. Um, but at least I got to study with him. I picked his brain and, um, you know, same with, with you or anybody else, you may not be as good as your instructor ever. Maybe you will, but you know, at least you're there. And, and that, that instructor, he or she took the time to care about you and welcome you into their world. Um, how good does that get? You know, I mean, that's just, that's just awesome. And, you know, I'm now I won't be able to ever see any of my instructors again because they all passed away except for except for one really. Um, but I still have their memory um, living on, and you know I can throw their name into conversations now and then, and people are like, oh really? Tell me more. This sounds interesting. So I can't demonstrate what they did musically, <laughs> you know, but I can try to explain it. Right. Uh, and I can kind of show it in a slow way, but um, so there, there's there's just always things that you can do um, to you know you just don't don't put too much expectation on you on yourself. But if you're if you're a young kid, you know there's nothing stopping you from wanting to be the best in the world. Do it. Try it. Give give it your best shot while you can, because athletically we have a small window. We really really do. Um, you, you know, now you're seeing athletes competing longer and longer. A lot of that is drug related. Let's be honest. 
Um, you want to try, you know, naturally, you have a smaller, shorter window to be, you know, world class and your skills will descend. No problem with that. So give it the best shot you can. And for those older people who are just starting out, you could probably literally get in the best shape of your life. Like, like you, Melody, you said you never were an athlete. You're probably stronger, faster, better athletically now than you were when you were 20 years old, you know? Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You may not recover as quickly because that's like you touched on that. That's, but boy, yeah. The, 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 I tell people when they want to train with me, give me your background and I'll look at it and I'll say, you know, I, I think that I can get you in the best shape of your life. And that's just not verbiage. That's for real. Now, if they were an Olympic gold medalist, you know, two times over, well, yeah, you're not going to get probably in better shape than then, but I can get you in as great a shape as you can for your given age, or I can teach you a skill set that you can excel at for your given age. So that's what we all have to shoot for. Um, that's same with Joe. I mean, Joe did start training with me about 20 years ago, gave it up because of personal you know, family, but he got back into it about four or five years ago, uh, five years ago, probably. And, uh, you know, he was already in his forties, but he, you know, he, he makes great progress and his mind is there. He's, uh, you know, I would have no problem sending somebody, you know, you know, coaching, giving him, giving him tips. Matter of fact, you know, we got to get back uh, to working out, you know, um, we'll see what happens. But anyway, it's getting to that time where we're going to pretty much have to wrap it up here, but I want to take a moment to thank Melody from the first time I met Melody um, at Jason's gym in Andersonville, um, Cheetah Gym. We should, I'm going to throw that out there because they were, Cheetah Gym was always nice to me, the people yes, there. Um, they were. Yes, and it was a very quality gym. Um, uh, you know, matter of fact, I never was even up on the top floor. There was three <laughs> floors, basement, first floor, top floor. Yep. Um, so anybody who's around Foster and Clark or whatever, um, just check that place out too. If you want to lift weights, you know, there's no martial arts. Maybe there is, I don't, I don't know, but you want to go to, if you're an Anderson, you want to go to. Yeah. For martial arts. Yeah. Bender martial arts and fitness. Absolutely. But Gym's a, a great gym in the Andersonville area too. Yeah. I have nothing but good things to say about the people there. Um, yeah. you know, but, uh, but anyway, I met Melody there. Didn't know who she was. Um, she was very, you know, Jason introduced me to her after the lesson or maybe right when I walked in, but then afterwards we talked briefly. And then when I found out she was a musician and she traveled the world and, you know, all of this stuff. And, um, she was, she's just, you're a very interesting lady, very, very interesting. And, you know, we always made plans for, for us to, all of us to go out and get something to eat, which hasn't come to fruition, but we got to work on that next year. Yep. Uh, and uh, yeah, it would be uh, it would be an honor. Uh, but she's happy. I mean, I'm ha I'm a better person for having somebody like her in my life. I don't reach out to to you too often, Melody, because because I can't reciprocate because of what I'm going through. I don't want it to be one sided. But who knows? I may reach out just to say, hey, I need somebody to talk to today. Sure. Um, but um, we'll see what happens. But right now, I, I really want to say thanks. For having you on the show and Joe I'll let you uh take the closing uh curtain call here sure well last thing I know Melody you're heading to a competition right you've got some students that are competing so that's right about. I have cancer out today yeah cool so best of luck I'm sure everybody's gonna yeah. have do do great and have a great time so thank you yeah it should be a good time for sure 
So looking forward to that. And yeah, thanks again for coming. This was a great talk. It went on for quite a while and I thought a lot of good stuff, but I mean, in a good way, not in a bad way, like it normally is with Tony. Um, but uh, no, thanks again for getting up early and making the time for us. And we definitely have to have you back. So if, if you're Fonzie, what am I, Potsy? <laughs> you know, I just want to say this going back to that. I don't want to live in a post Fonzie world. You know, God, what have we come to where the world doesn't know who the Fonz is? I don't know. Well, guys, thank you for having me on. Tony, it's so good to just see you. Um, I kind of keep tabs on you because I get to see Joe every once in a while, which is nice. Um, But thanks so much for having me on your podcast. I appreciate it. And um, yeah, next year, I'll be looking for you in in real life. Keep your schedule open. We'll probably have you on again if you want to. That would be great, you know. And uh, yeah, I hope to see you uh, next year uh, on a let's say on a regular basis. Okay. That sounds good. That's All right, good. everybody. We'll see you guys Thanks. next week. Thank you, Joe. Miss you, Nico. <laughs> Hurry back, Nico. <laughs> Bye. Bye all.